With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. A safer internet for kids requires a hard look at privacy. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Dramali. On a recent episode of our show, we had Senator Amy Klobuchar share her take on January's congressional hearings. You remember the one with five tech executives, including Mark Zuckerberg, doing their best to stall in the face of searing questions about how to keep kids safe online. Senator Klobuchar told us that hearing may have actually moved the needle on that issue. She stressed to us how they serve to educate the public and help lawmakers get pledges of support from tech CEOs on specific bills on the record. In the absence of federal rules, though, a patchwork of state laws has filled the void. How's that going? Nicole Turner-Lee is a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, and she gave me the rundown. States have pretty much been leading the charge in ensuring that they're creating uh, local legislative directives that assist in, you know, one, identifying what those harms may be and what type of enforcement they want to actually engage. You know, the challenge, however, is I think first and foremost, we really don't want to become a country where every state sort of has its own imperative on uh, monitoring or providing oversight and enforcement of social media companies. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, you know, the type of legislative directives vary because the technology is different, right? Well, how does having this kind of patchwork of laws in all these different states impact the federal government as they try to reach a consensus on one law? Well, first and foremost, it's unfortunate that at this time, we don't have a national data privacy standard. And that's why I'm a little concerned because I think the challenges that we're seeing by the very incongruent applications of children's privacy laws across various states, they're going to make them harder for us to disentangle what should go into a privacy law that's much more nationally based. And more important, essentially, they're creating a patchwork of confusion in many respects. And are you saying that making federal law around online safety for kids 
is really challenging when there's no federal privacy framework. Am I hearing you correctly there? To a certain extent, yes. I have children myself and I think about, you know, having rules that may just apply to them, but they don't apply to me. Mm -hmm. We're trying to protect, in many respects, young people from bad actors, uh, including adults, that just do really horrible things online. In addition to what we're hearing the argument uh, coming from parents focused on the types of outcomes that occur when you have a lot of algorithmic um, interoperability and applications and outcomes. My point is having a federal privacy standard at least carves out the rules of the road that start, you know, at the top. And I do worry as a policymaker and one who's been watching this space, if we do land on rules for just minors, how do we work ourselves into rules that apply to the broader constituents that are out there? And, you know, that's partly our fault. You know, other countries have gotten ahead of the game when it comes to uh, a data privacy standard for their, their countries. And here we are still trying to figure that out. And I think we've done ourselves a disservice by waiting too long. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to ask you about something that Senator Amy Klobuchar said. And we had her on recently. She said she's happy that states are moving ahead with regulation, but there's still room for federal regulation, according to her. Here's what she said. It's not the way to run a railroad. It is much better if we had strong federal laws that were the same across the board and actually worked. Do you agree that to get something that effectively protects kids online, we need one federal law? Well, you know, I think to uh, the senator's point, we do need a federal law that can provide some certainty in this space and create uh, real guardrails and not those that are artificial and in some instances hypothetical, right? We still want our internet to be quite balanced because whatever we land on in terms of federal privacy legislation has to respect that, you know, as a as a nation, we've been the leaders and in, in balancing innovation with what we're seeing now, which are these opportunities that come through technology. At the same token, you know, to the senator's point, you know, I think because of the huge concerns that are happening among parents and adults when it comes to young people. And there's always been a carve out historically when it comes to uh, children's privacy dating back to, you know, some of the early decency acts, right? Where we've had some concerns about how young people are sort of reeled into the internet spaces that appear to be uh, filled with malfeasance. You know, I think going forward, those harms still exist, right? But they have to be legislated in a way that we're not creating a law for children's privacy that does not necessarily provide, you know, some of the broader expectations that we have when it comes to uh, how your data is collected, how it's stored, uh, whether it's deleted, who it's shared with, how it's sold. I mean, we don't want our children to be part of this internet marketplace where we're not able to, you know, just give them uh, a parent as well as young people those verified protections from, you know, just harmful scenarios. We'll be right back. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Nicole Turner Lee of the Brookings Institution. We all, I think, collectively agree that we want to protect kids online. We know 
it's the Wild West out there and we want to do something. This privacy piece of it is very interesting and I think sometimes gets lost in that conversation that there is this other side. There are consequences to enacting some of this legislation as it's written. So I wonder, is there enough research that's been done that's out there for legislators, for policymakers to move forward? What is your take on do we know enough about what legally works and doesn't work before we move forward with implementing state or federal legislation on this issue? So what we do know is that at the federal level, the Senate Commerce Committee did vote out two bipartisan bills uh, to protect children's internet use. And this was in the summer of 2023. The first one is the Kids Online Safety Act, which we call COSA, which we're very good at our acronyms here in D.C., which is intended to create new guidance for the Federal Trade Commission, or the FTC, as many know it, and state attorney generals uh, with the intention of penalizing companies that expose children to harmful content on their platform. And then the second bill that uh, was voted out of the Senate was... um the Children Online Privacy Protection Act 2.0. They call it COPPA 2.0, as a matter of fact. And that particular bill is proposing to increase the age from 13 to 16 under the existing law because we've had COPPA in in action uh, for quite some time. Um, And it's also proposing to establish some bans on companies that advertise to children. Now, there's an interesting argument from the LGBTQ community around age verification and assurance for young people who may be going to the internet for the safety of of being outed. You understand what I'm saying? And what does that look like when you have to go to your parent and get that approval? But interestingly enough, I also had someone from the Cato Institute, which presented a similar view um, when it comes to what do those documents look like? Um, how do you decide which content needs to be verified or age assured? So, you know, I think Congress really has to uh, sort of discern some of the cries that we're hearing from parents and particular segments of our community and balance those to a certain extent with the rights of young people and children. As we think about this debate, we need something But I do think to your question, we need to have more input from constituents, more research on the impacts and implications, and potentially more dialogue and discussion on what role do we also as parents play in ensuring that we have a much more literate public when it comes to the use of these tools. And and we asked Senator Klobuchar about this, too. She said that the goal should never be to ban minors from social media, but there are some measures to take. Let's listen to what she had to say about that. There are all kinds of rules you can put in place to protect them. Uh, one is about the data and how the data is shared on the kit. One is to make sure what they have access to and what they don't have access to. As you've spent time doing research on all of this, have you seen certain bills that actually do infringe on First Amendment rights of minors, maybe even privacy? Well, I think some of the state bills are a lot more aggressive than others when it comes to their state laws, um, particularly among uh, the more conservative uh, states that have actually put out their legislation. And because these states are defining platforms differently, um, In a paper that we recently wrote at the Brookings Institution, uh, we actually do a uh, chart where we show that some 
uh, social media companies or applications may be exempted uh, from some of the state laws, whereas others have greater scrutiny. Uh, as I continue to say the train has left the station, I struggle, right? Because I think that we want to develop good digital citizens, but we also have to remember we cannot uh, sort of propose what rights young people should have. My point is, I think some of the more conservative states are sort of thinking about this debate of children's privacy as something that is more of a developmental <laughs> conversation on where young people should be. And that worries me because some of those states are also deciding what books we should read. Before I let you go, if there's one idea that you want to leave listeners with when it comes to this idea of effectively protecting kids online allowing them to be online, but to do it safely, what would that idea be? You know, most important, we need Congress to pass comprehensive federal privacy legislation. And then I think, you know, the second thing is, let's not make this a bill that is the result of political infighting and ideological divisions. Parents, I'm not saying we need to get our act together, but we need to get our act together. We just need to really start to understand that these tools are real and it is incumbent upon these companies to continue to have our kids' best interests in mind. It's also in our interest to understand what they're exposed to and how they're engaging these platforms and talking to them. We've got to stay awoke on these things because if not, you know, we're going to blame someone and sometimes that someone may be ourselves as well. That was Nicole Turner-Lee with the Brookings Institution. To give you a sense of how hard it is to legislate a safer internet for kids, even at the state level, consider a recent attempt here in California, home to many tech giants. The California Age-Appropriate Design Code Act was passed unanimously by state lawmakers and was signed into law by Governor Gavin Newsom in 2022. Reuters writes it would have required platforms to assess if their products could harm children before releasing them and to estimate the ages of young users and come up with privacy settings for them if they didn't hike settings for everyone. While the tech lobbying group NetChoice sued, and in September, a federal judge blocked California from enforcing the law. The judge found the law's restrictions on commercial speech likely violate the First Amendment. In making her ruling, the judge acknowledged she's keenly aware of the harms that may happen to children online, but found the law was too broad as written. For more, we've posted a link on our website, marketplacetech.org. Jesus Alvarado produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.